Hi everyone, I'm Amelia Quint, and you're listening to Bad Astrologers, where we take a cultural, spiritual, literary, and mythological look at the heavens. As always, this is an independent production made possible entirely by the generosity of our amazing Patreon supporters. When you join our circle of the smartest mystics on the internet, you get access to exclusive forecasts and horoscopes, as well as the Stellar School mini-episodes for those on the Vesta tier. Next up, we'll be wading into the deep waters of Neptune, the planet of art, glamour, and illusion. Head over to patreon.com slash badastro to dive in. With eclipse season and Jupiter into Pisces shaking things up recently, you might be wondering how all this cosmic change influences your birth chart. If you want my eyes on your stars, I'm available for one-on-one readings. Just visit ameliaquint.com to get on my books. And if you've reached a crossroads in your spiritual studies and are looking for a mentor to guide you to the next step, I also offer apprenticeships too. I live in haunted South Carolina, but can work with you anywhere in the world. Finally, and as always, the best way to show your love for bad astrologers is to leave a five-star review on iTunes with a few words about what spoke to you in the episode. It's a really small thing, but it has a massive impact on the algorithm, and it helps this little podcast that could get out in front of more people that want to learn about the stars with optimism and excitement. And while you're at it, be sure to follow at Bad Astrologers on Instagram and Twitter to stay up to date on the latest releases so you never miss an episode. Now, let's start the show. Today's episode is a special listener request, which just so happens to be one of my favorite topics in all of astrology. As some of my longtime listeners, students, and clients will know, I got my start as an astrologer writing for fashion and beauty publications, and I'm still obsessed with all things aesthetic. And of course, in astrology, we find those things under Venus's domain. So today we're going to explore the beauty of each Venus sign placement, the fashion and the style, the beauty looks, the overall vibe, the allure, and what makes each one so special. You can extend this out to so many things, from how you present yourself online, whether it's social media, to your own website, to how you decide to dress and adorn yourself as you go back out into the world. It's a really powerful form of glamour magic, and it might be the trick to feeling gorgeous again post-quarantine for your hot summer. And it's really the perfect time to dive into this topic. We're in a Mercury retrograde in Gemini, which is a great moment to reflect on pop culture icons, and this Mercury retrograde stationed on top of Venus, which means it's especially good to reflect on styles of the past. So without any further ado, let's get into it. Sit back, relax, take a deep breath, and let's start the episode. So I'm so excited to talk about Venus today. And I think if you have been in astrology for a while, you probably know Venus best as the planet of love. Speaking of Venus, if you want a solid foundation on all the myths and meanings of this planet, you should check out Stellar School Episode 2, which goes over both benefics. That's the planets in astrology that do nice things for you, aka Venus and Jupiter. But just as an overview, Venus is associated with, of course, love and romance and allure, but also worth, aka cash money and pleasure. So sex and other bodily delights, like eating a really delicious meal. She 
of course, with that physicality comes across in the way that we like to display ourselves and show up in the world. I've written before about rising signs being related to style, and I think that is a wonderful thing to do. Your rising sign, if you're new to astrology, is the planet that was on the horizon at the sign you were born, and it really shows your outlook and the first impression that you give to other people and how you want to be perceived. But I like using Venus signs a little bit better because for the most part, you'll be able to figure out what yours is without a birth time, with very few exceptions. And if your Venus is on a borderline, let's say it's at like zero minutes and change or, you know, 29 degrees and some change, there are astrologers that can help you figure it out through chart rectification. So Venus signs in the past have been a part of a conversation around style that is really gendered. And I mean, tell me about it, right? (laughs) Venus and Mars are part of a cosmic lovers conversation that can really reinforce social norms around Venus. You know, women are from Venus, men are from Mars, and frankly, a lot of bullshit. Um, But this is something I've been researching for years. And what I found is that Venus transcends the archetype of femininity to be your relationship to beauty overall, whether that's in clothes or personal grooming or other parts of your aesthetic, what you like to surround yourself with. Those are the things that show up in your Venus sign. So before we get into this, I recommend you grab your birth chart, whatever astrology app you love the most, and figure out what your Venus placement is. When I say placement, what I mean is what sign is it in, what house it is it in, and what aspects is it making. This is primarily going to be about Venus signs, but you can extrapolate some of that out to tell you about the, the house and the aspects as well. So it's going to be a fun journey. It's a wonderful thing to do with friends. I love chatting with people to find out what is their Venus sign and how does that influence how they want to show up in the world, what makes them feel really beautiful and feel really good. Um, So ask your friends what their Venus uh, sign is if they feel comfortable sharing with you. And it's also a great way to it can actually become really easy for you to spot people by Venus sign. And so I want to challenge you to try that out as well. Um, So let's go ahead and dive into the very first of the Venus signs, Venus and Aries. Um, Venus and Aries is what I like to call the diva placement. And I will tell you why in just a second. First, I want to go over the basic details, which is that Venus in Aries is ruled by Mars, the planet of personal drive and passion and, frankly, war and aggression. And because it's ruled by Mars and because of where it's placed on the zodiac chart, it means it's in detriment. So what does it mean for a planet to be in detriment? I want to talk about that specifically because I think we may in the astrology community be misusing essential dignity as of late. Essential dignity is a um, scheme that explains uh, which planets are strongest or weakest in which signs. And I think that it can be a little disempowering. I think it is very important to understand and useful, especially when we're talking about transits in the sky. But when we're looking at our natal placements, sometimes the language around it gets really confusing for people. If I get another client who's freaked out that they have bad placements, just 
No, 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 this is not how this concept works. So I want to try and lay out and have this exploration of Venus through the signs be a way to understand essential dignity on a little bit of a deeper level. You know, it's kind of like becoming a, a writer or poet. You have to understand the rules in order to break them. Um, and so hopefully this will help with that. So Venus in Aries is in detriment because it is opposite one of the signs that Venus rules, Libra, right? Um, and Libra is all about peacemaking and beauty and getting along, and, and Aries is the, the most <laughs> warlike of the signs. And so you can see how this is not a place where Venus is, is accustomed to being, right? You can think of it as uh, Venus being the character and the sign being the actual, like, home where they're living, like a hotel room that they go to, a friend's house, right? So Venus um, going to this very warlike place, she's going to be like, but but where is all the nice food? You mean we have to eat war rations, that kind of thing. Um, but as it relates to style, bringing it back to that, I call this the diva placement because Venus in Aries is what we tend to think of as style icons. These are the people that get pinned on Pinterest hundreds of times. Their names become synonymous with a specific look that is bold, that is strident and daring, um, and that really leaves this powerful impact and impression on fashion forever. You can also think of it as the household name placement. So if you have this, I'm really hyping you up right now. And I think you should take it to heart. I know people um, who have Venus and Aries who have become successful stylists or, you know, created some sort of brand. And you'll see through these examples. So just a little sneak peek. This is going to be a long episode. I have probably hundreds of examples on this episode of how it shows up because I think that is one of the most important things in astrology is seeing how it actually works, right? And you can see those things yourself and draw your own conclusions. So a couple of people with Venus and Aries, a household name placement slash diva placement are, I mean, the top three are Audrey Hepburn, Elizabeth Taylor, and Marilyn Monroe. Like they are, when we talk about fashion, we talk about iconic style, you know, how many, you can go to any like, Hobby Lobby. Why would you go to Hobby Lobby? That would be fucked up. Um, but any craft store and get like a huge poster of like the breakfast at Tiffany's or the, um, you know, uh, Elizabeth Taylor is, I mean, in any of her guises, um, Marilyn Monroe in the white dress. Um, and then in modern fashion, I think there is this sort of bigger than a pop star, like the pop star who is putting themselves out there in an incredibly powerful way, who is not afraid to show up. Um, those would be Lady Gaga, who I absolutely love. Lady Gaga has been like such a huge style inspiration for me. Like I think we take for granted her impact on style like whether it's from the meat dress or like I loved her VMA performance um, where she had like the fake blood and the pink hair it was just unbelievably Aries style like dramatic and like I mean fake blood paired with pink hair is like a very Venus and Aries way to show up um, there can be a little bit of like actual with Mars being like cutting or 
um, burning or harmful, you will see bleached hair with this placement. And so I feel like Lady Gaga with like this super platinum and Venus and Aries also looks incredible in red lipstick. Out of control, amazing in red lipstick. The next example, Rihanna, I think she's made the best red lipstick Um known the the stena lip paint which is so so good um beyond that we also have shakira who's amazing um mariah carey who when we say diva right like that's i feel like her face should be next to that word in the dictionary right um and the whole demeanor that she cultivates of oh i i don't even know her um that's a very venus and aries thing to be Um, I think the way to really thrive with a Venus and Aries is to be so involved in your own projects that other people just don't even trouble you, right? Um, There's also Janet Jackson um, and Kehlani, which I think of the song Motivation. That's that's a very, very Venus and Aries anthem. A couple of other household names, Jennifer Aniston. So... Aries is also the head, so therefore iconic hairstyles can show up here. We already mentioned like Audrey Hepburn with her little short haircut with the the bangs, Um, but Jennifer Aniston, like creating a haircut that just completely changed uh, culture, the Rachel, I think that is a very um, Venus and Aries thing. Gigi Hadid also has this. Two more of my favorite examples. Uh, I bring up the movie Carol anytime anyone will listen. It's one of my favorite films. Um, And both Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara have Venus and Aries, which I just absolutely love. You know, I think um, the sort of the red lipstick, smoking, beautiful, powerful older woman um, that that. Carol slash Kate Blanchett is in that film is such a perfect embodiment of what Venus and Aries is that sort of like I'm starved the hungry uh, impact of Mars on Venus is uh, a lovely thing um, there's also people who gender bend and tend terms tend towards the more mask side of the spectrum. So Ruby Rose and Katherine Hepburn, I think, are perfect examples of this. Um, And then when we look towards the dudes, really, really interesting examples. I think there's a, um, not a rock star uh, thing, That's, that's more coming up with Venus and Scorpio. But when we look at Pharrell Williams, Gerard Way, Billy Joe Armstrong, there is a um, aggressive, like, strident, wanting to be seen aspect to it. Um, and, and guys who aren't afraid to play with style in a way that, you know, I think we take for granted now Pharrell has um, a skin Caroline and Gerard Way and Billy Joe Armstrong obviously showed up with all kinds of makeup and, and made eyeliner a trend again, like with the, the face, the head being a Venus and Aries thing. Um, but with the gender bending at the time, that was a, people thought of that as a big deal. It's definitely not, but, um, at the time it really was. So, Along with the theme of the household name with Venus and Aries, we have people like Paul Rudd. Everybody knows Paul Rudd for so many roles. I feel like lately he's he's identified with that meme of who would have thought. Uh, that's the theme of 2021 for sure. Um, folks like George Clooney, uh, Shaquille O'Neal. Um, 
uh, Alexander McQueen as well. And that's not just a household name, but when we think about um, fashion and style now, like I would say that he has had potentially the biggest impact on fashion and style of anyone. Um, So, you know, and, and his designs are so bold and so just beautiful. So Alexander McQueen being synonymous with that household name Diva Placement is perfect. Um, Bad Bunny is another one. Of course, Bad Bunny. Benito has been a topic on this podcast many times. Um, He fits into both the kind of uh, punky aesthetic and the gender bending with the um, Yo Pereo Sola video. A couple of others with the household name thing. uh, Jet Li. Interesting that an actual martial artist would have Venus and Aries. Um, martial artist feels like an, a perfect catchphrase for those. Um, and then, of course, Harry Houdini, which is another um, household name as well. So I hope you're getting the idea. I, I love Venus and Aries, and it's interesting to me how Venus in Aries, which is in detriment, can have such a powerful impact on style and culture but I think that is the key it's that strident Mars wanting to be seen kind of pushes its Venus vision out into the world and is is unafraid and unashamed to do so and we're we're lucky to have them very very lucky to have them oh a couple more uh examples of the in-your-face fashion designers Donatella Versace um, I'm thinking especially of like uh, the green dress that with the huge, huge, huge deep V that uh, J-Lo wore, um, Jean-Paul Gaultier. My French is awful. I'm better at Spanish. So please, as I say these names, don't be too embarrassed for me and try not to cringe too hard. Um, but yeah, the cone bra is like, it's it's combining that Um sharp edges of Mars with the beauty of Venus. Um, And then, of course, Vivian Westwood, which is the ultimate in punk rock style. Um, Another more modern example that I found really example is like the girl boss millennials, Emily Weiss, who is the founder of Glossier, and Sophia Amoruso, who literally wrote the book Girl Boss and runs the company Girl Boss. Um, both have Venus and Aries, which I think is um, just interesting, that sort of Aries, what we would traditionally call bossiness, coming out in the more old-fashioned ways that we think of Venus, of like, we have to do it through femininity, we have to take our power, and we have to lean in, or, you know, what have you, so... I don't know someone to meditate on I would say using it as an artistic muse as opposed to like a push towards uh I don't know capitalism is definitely the way to go but that's that let's move on to Venus in Taurus so one thing you'll notice and if you do your own astrological research at any point which I highly recommend I could do an episode on how to do that I guess or put it on Patreon if you're interested in that let me know and I will um A couple of these, you will see that there are significantly fewer examples for them. And that happens if you're doing, let's say, a study of Mars through the signs or like this, Venus through the signs, you'll pull up a whole bunch for certain placements and like just a handful for others. And it leaves you thinking, well, what the hell? (laughs) 
So I think that what the hell question is a really important one to sit with and to come up with a few hypotheses about. I have my own and we'll talk about it at the end. Like why why are there fewer examples for Venus and Taurus, even though Spoiler alert, Venus in Taurus is what's called the domicile of Venus, one of the domiciles of Venus. So domicile is just a fancy word for it's one of the signs that Venus rules. It's where Venus is at home. You know, we talked about the signs being the actual places where the characters of the planets reside. Yeah, that's what that is. Um, And Taurus to me, I tend to split Taurus and Libra into the evening star Venus versus the morning star Venus. And when I say evening star Venus, what I'm trying to conjure with that is this image of um, Venus who is defined by luxury and lust, who's kind of like draped across like a velvet bed, like Odalisque style with, I don't know, someone Dionysian feeding them grapes. That's a very Taurian image. Um, But ultimately, when we talk about Venus and Taurus, these folks are, they're sensual in the literal sense, right? Um, For them, it's all about feeling and what they can experience through the five senses of taste, of touch, of smell, hearing, like they want everything around them in their world to be beautiful. Um, and when we do look at the examples of this, they, they're able to project comfort in a way that is truly elegant. It's not, um, I threw on sweatpants and went out and it looks a little messy. Like somehow they managed to make extremely comfortable style look like they, not just like they tried, like it's the most effortless, beautiful, glamorous thing in the world. So for your consideration, Ariana Grande has Venus in Taurus, and she was able to make an oversized sweatshirt a mini dress look by pairing it with uh, knee-high boots, and honestly, like, it looks freaking amazing. Um, So that's just one example of how Venus in Taurus can show up. Um, a few other classic Venus and Taurus folks are Lana Del Rey, um, who, I don't know, pioneered the, the flower crown, long hair, Coachella look. I feel like her style lately has gotten, I don't know, maybe towards the Venus and Taurus. It can be a little normcore, you know? I feel like you should dress however makes you happy, but it definitely was a bit of a pivot. Um, I love Liv Tyler. Liv Tyler has Venus and Taurus and she is just, I actually bought my first perfume based on the ad that had Liv Tyler in it after Lord of the Rings, the very irresistible Givenchy. I still have it. It still smells amazing and elegant, Um, but she is she carries that Taurian softness in her look. It's almost like an el. They can have this like elven, unattainable style to them. Um, and specifically for Liv Tyler, there's a video I can I can link to it in the show notes or something. Uh, she did this Vogue like behind the scenes uh, skincare video and she had so many steps it was just it was unbelievable she was like I don't know she's like the fairy god mom I want and I think that's that's a very Venus and Taurus uh experience um I feel like the royals have been in the news potentially a bit too much lately but I will say that Princess Diana does have Venus and Taurus and um you know she was able to make again the sort of comfort dressing the uh, athletic clothes look really, really chic and elegant. 
Um, I'm also thinking of her sweat, the black sheep sweater. That is such an amazing Venus and Taurus look. The sweater looks incredible, but she's able to make an artistic statement with it. A couple of others. Um, I absolutely love Janae Aiko, and I feel like her music is very Venus and Taurus. Like, it's very languid and um, comfortable and beautiful. I put it on a lot. Um, she has the song Overstimulated that I, I listen to. Like, if you're a little overstimulated, it's very, like, calming and... Taurus can have that um, calming influence on the personality and the people around them. Um, also, Debbie Harry, uh, Blondie. So, of course, she's had such an amazing impact on style. Um, and we, when we look towards the people who identify as dudes, Kanye West has Venus and Taurus. And I, I do think that's interesting. You know, he's had his fashion lines, his Yeezys. Um, and I think the Yeezy shoes are, are kind of an incredible contribution. But when we look at the loungewear, like I am like, what is is this fashion? Is it loungewear? What is it? But maybe that is the Venus and Taurus conundrum. Um, there are also with Venus and Taurus, many male identified folks who are extremely comfortable with their divine feminine side or with just exuding raw sexuality. Right. So. Obviously, Prince. Prince is the ultimate in um, Venus and Taurus technology. I think of like the um, often wearing like lace tops and blouses, just always having these like fitted clothes looking so tailored. Um, uh, skin and makeup always looking incredible. Like, I mean, nobody in the last um, however many years has contributed what Prince has contributed in such a unique way. Um, so this next person is a colossal jerk, um, but has contributed to the occult community, Anton LaVey. Um, I feel like Anton LaVey had problematic ideas, but when we look at what Venus and Taurus is and does, he was able to use aesthetic and that sensuality to create um, something very powerful and something very magical. And I do think that is available to people with this placement and during times when this is transit is active in the sky. Um, similar to that, Marjorie Cameron, so the person who was supposedly conjured by the Babylon working, who we've talked of extensively on this podcast, has a Venus in Taurus, which I think is absolutely perfect. Um, some others include Ian McKellen, um, and potentially another one of my favorites, Pedro Pascal. Um, not so much as The Mandalorian. I, I want to like that show. I just can't get into it. I've tried so many times. Um, but him as Oberyn in Game of Thrones. That is that is Venus and Taurus incarnate. Like if you're like, what is that? It's just Google search that character and and you've got it. You figured it out. Um, Another absolutely wonderful example is Lil Nas X. I'm thinking of the Call Me By Your Name video. Uh, I'm thinking of his pink cowboy suit. Just everything about him. He's really unafraid to just embody his own sexiness in a way that hasn't been done before. And he just seems so truly, truly comfortable doing it. And there is a little bit of that like devilish flair. He had like the satanic shoes, which, which I loved. Um, and then of course, Tim Curry, um, for thinking of the Rocky horror picture show. Absolutely. We love it so much. Um, 
I wasn't able to find, surprisingly, very many uh, designers with uh, Venus and Taurus at all. And so if I'm missing anybody, please write to me. Let me know. I would love to add it to my uh, to my research. But the one I was able to find was Albert Elbaz um, from Lanvan, who recently passed away. R.I.P. Um, truly, truly one of my favorite designers. One of my uh, few actual designer clothing pieces is from uh, Lanvan during his tenure there. And it is just... Uh, so beautiful and I think he was really tuned into that like elegant comfort uh, in the styles that he designed so that's that okay next up we have Venus in Gemini and Venus in Gemini is ruled by Mercury so if you have this your Mercury placement sign especially will show up more prominently here so Gemini is the sign of the trickster. It's very clever. Um, it loves intellectual games and pop culture and just telling a story. And so I, I do think there is a little bit of, especially in Gemini season with Gemini uh, being where Mercury retrograde is happening now, we're experiencing that um chaotic good aspect of Gemini um, and we see this in the people who have Venus and Gemini as their placement in personal styles so the archetype hear me out that I have for Venus and Gemini is the chaotic bombshell and no surprise then that so many of these Venus and Gemini chaotic bombshells are in the news right now um, for <laughs> Uh, various forms of gossip. Gossip is a very uh, Gemini thing. But first we have Jennifer Lopez is Venus in Gemini. And um, she really is. She's so, she's able to dress in a very smart and clever way. She's very, um, I think, aware of her image. And she has a lot of Leo placements as well. And so she's able to really work it. Um, but yeah, when you're having transits to your Venus placement on your chart and um, you can have issues come up around your personal style around love and of course right now she's uh back with Ben Affleck I didn't have that on my uh 2021 bingo card I'm not super into the like celebrity dating gossip but this one seems really ubiquitous <laughs> and everywhere um probably because the astrology is impacting them so directly um similarly Megan Fox has Venus in Gemini and she's been uh, very much in the press for her relationship with Machine Gun Kelly. Honestly, they seem super happy. Good for them. Um, but I, when I visualize Venus in Gemini and just see the the gif of her in Jennifer's body licking the, the flame coming out of the lighter, there is that sort of like pushing the edge uh, Gemini uh, troublemaker thing going on there. Um, another example is Naomi Campbell, who's so beautiful, and she has this wry smile and sparkle in her eye that I think made her such a powerful, extremely powerful supermodel. Um, there's also Uma Thurman, who I think, especially in Pulp Fiction and Kill Bill, um, shows the the cleverness uh, and the beauty of the Venus and Gemini placement. Um, there's also Margot Robbie. Um, I'm thinking of her in Birds of Prey and um, the, the Wolf of Wall Street, kind of playing mind games with Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, but 
potentially the most prominent one right now is a, as a fashion influencer is Anya Taylor-Joy, who I absolutely love. She is just phenomenal in the movie The Witch. If you're listening to this and you're even, you have even one witchy cell in your body, what are you doing? Go watch The Witch right now. It's a wonderful, wonderful film. Um, and then, of course, Anya Taylor-Joy in The Queen's Gambit, the chess show that's inspired so many people to, I mean, at least buy chess sets. I don't know, actually use them. I I immediately watched it and was like, I have to make flashcards. I have to learn all the chess rules. Um, that's my moon and Gemini talking. Anyhow, um, that sort of clever, um, vintage sort of style, too. A lot of her looks have been inspired by the 60s and 70s lately, um, is is really powerful for this. Uh, another Venus and Gemini person who I just adore and can't get enough of is Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Uh, she brought us flea bag. She brought us the flea bag jumpsuit, um, and I think really shows the the cleverness of this placement that um, truly, truly defines it. So when we look towards the the dudes and the male-identified guys, we get a lot of what I would call nerd icons um, or, you know, people who are at the head of some kind of fandom or who are nerds themselves. So uh, Robert Pattinson is a Venus and Gemini. And he did recently this, I think it was for GQ, this uh, self-portrait photo shoot that was extremely unhinged and actually kind of inspired uh, in quarantine. It was really, really cool. And that really shows that off. And he has a genuine passion for photography. So Gemini can also be technology. And so with Venus there, it can be like a love for uh, what we would traditionally call nerdy things. Um, Henry Cavill is, of course, the darling of the Witcher fandom. He had played Superman as well. Um, and he's super into building computers. So another check towards the nerd icon piece. And then, of course, Harrison Ford, the one and only Indiana Jones and Han Solo. Um, I mean, at the epicenter of so many fandoms but he's also into planes and I don't know if you've done any reading about it but also crashing them but (laughs) maybe that's the Venus and Gemini chaos talking um another uh potential archetype for the guys here is what I would call musical bad boys or at the very least like troubled wordsmiths you know I remember reading in Cosmo as a teenager I don't know why I was reading Cosmo as a teenager but hearing that that was a stereotype for Gemini folks was the sort of like uh I don't know bad somehow thing so when we talk about that I'm thinking of Trent Reznor has Venus and Gemini has been uh discussed on this podcast many many times um Kendrick Lamar um lyricism just frankly can't be touched um Post Malone and then, of course, the late Anthony Bourdain um, had Venus and Gemini as well. And he was such an uh, excellent storyteller in so many ways and, um, you know, had his own demons to fight. Back to music for a second. I want to acknowledge that rap's elder stateswomen and again, truly the blueprint, both Missy Elliott and Lil' Kim both have Venus and Gemini. And so, you know, the beauty of words and being a wordsmith really shows through here and the sort of experimental aspect of their style does as well. 
Um, another great fashion icon that we see here, colorful, queer, adventurous, is Frida Kahlo. Um, and we see it in her art. You know, Gemini is related to storytelling through symbols that might seem disconnected, but they can all sort of be tied together in a strange narrative. And and she really did that. I, I love the painting, uh, What the Water Gave Me, and then, of course, the corresponding Florence Welch song. Um, and beyond that, the last couple that I wanted to mention is, so Gemini, I think more with Gemini is the rising sign, but a little bit with Venus and Gemini, it can be this sort of fountain of youth that it makes you always seem a bit youthful, exuberant, and ageless. And uh, the examples of Venus and Gemini there are Helen Mirren, I mean, obviously, and then Brooke Shields, too. Um, and when we look at fashion designers for Venus and Gemini, Giorgio Armani has this, and he's truly smart dressing, tailored suit excellence. All right, time for the next sign. Next up, we have Venus and Cancer, which is Venus ruled by the moon, the planet of home and emotional safety and nostalgia and feeling good. So Venus and Cancer is complicated to talk about because I think it's inextricably linked with the archetypes of motherhood and femininity, which are frankly really limiting. Um, but I think when we pull out examples from pop culture, we have to think about the fact that that's just what pop culture has allowed us to see. There's so many other emanations or facets of this that, you know, haven't been broadcast in the mainstream. We'll talk about that too. Um, but we will look at some of the more traditional things first and then go from there. So uh, when you when you look up Venus and Cancer, the two most prominent ones are are the Venus and Cancer Supermom with an Edge, Natalie Portman and Angelina Jolie. I remember Ange Angelina Jolie over the years being sort of identified so much with her um, adoption and really moving away from from the spotlight and towards um, just looking after her family, her brood, her children. And I remember Natalie Portman winning the Oscar while she was pregnant. Um, and so that's the real obvious Venus and Cancer piece of this. And, you know, as I'm thinking of it, the other aspect of this, I called it girl next door charm. I think that's limiting too. It isn't just girl next door charm. It could be like best friend next door charm. Um, but we have people like Cameron Diaz and more recently Zendaya, um, people who are just warm and seem approachable and just like they could be your best friend. I mean, I want Zendaya to be my best friend for sure. Um, but there is a, a softness to that. And I think it's a softness that's traditionally been assigned to femininity, but maybe doesn't actually have anything to do with femininity at all. You know, the moon is traditionally linked with femininity, but like I said, it's also the desire to be soft, be vulnerable, and have a, a deeper intimacy with other people. So beyond those obvious things, my favorite version of Venus and Cancer is what I have dubbed witchy comfort dressing. So what am I talking about when I say this? Well, first of all, Stevie Nicks has Venus and Cancer, and I'm thinking of her on the cover of Rumors, dancing with sort of the, the soft, sheer fabrics draped over her, um, sort of 
soft is really the key word, that sort of fluffy, soft hair, um, the sort of dreamy, um, gentle look to her, and then uh, a more modern emanation of that that I think she laid the path for is Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen, right? Um, they're always dressed like a little bit witchy. Maybe they are witches. They've been so successful. Um you know, with the long black uh, skirts or dresses with like a leather jacket, that kind of thing. Um, and I think of their fashion line, The Row, um, which is similar sort of like classic staples um, being a piece of this too. So one thing that cancer is related to is heritage or legacy or um, tradition in a similar way to Capricorn, which it's on the same axis with, right? And so when we look at Venus and Cancer dressing, um, we see a, a reliance on um, old staples, right? Even some of the people I mentioned before, it's like, you know, white tee jeans, um, maybe denim jacket or like leather jacket, you know, almost capsule wardrobe stuff. Um, other examples for the witchy comfort dressing include uh, Aubrey Plaza. Um, she's often seen in sweaters too, which sweaters are a very, very Venus and Cancer thing. And I'll talk about that with the gentleman in, the, in a minute. Um, we also have Chloe Kardashian, who started her own denim line. Like I was saying, like blue jeans being a very nostalgic, classic look. Um, Venus and Cancer can also be the sort of yeah, old school, what we would call femme fatale, right? So Halle Berry, Elizabeth Hurley, Kim Cattrall, um, all of them are really known for the sort of very forward, alluring femininity. Um, but I do think that can also be part of a modern conversation that and media reckoning that I think we're having right now of um pushing past people's boundaries um, to project too much onto them about whether it's their gender, their femininity, or sexual availability and things like that. So, you know, maybe Venus in Cancer is a, a sign to really meditate on and, and give some more thought to. Um, when we look towards the male-identified folks, the ultimate ultimate archetype for this is what I call the Hollywood good guy I'm doing quotes with my fingers you can't see it so when I read these out you're gonna understand so first up Keanu Reeves um cancer is also quite a moody sign it can be and so a lot of these guys have been seen being very sad in public so sad Keanu meme is quite a Venus and Cancer, and he is often dressed in a Venus and Cancer way with like the leather jacket, the traditional looks, that kind of thing. But I think the number one uh, masculine example for Venus and Cancer is Chris Evans, who can rock a sweater. Um, and he's very Boy Scout in Captain America, which is, you know, super Venus and Cancer. 
Um, I'm thinking of the white sweater that he wears in the diner and knives out. Like that is Venus in Cancer culture. <laughs> so if you have Venus in Cancer, like go out to a J. Crew now, get some pashmina or cashmere in your life or whatever. Maybe like a camel coat like he has to put over it. That would be perfect. And just like, I don't know, watch your life transform. Um, it also, this is like a very like Hollywood Chris's placement. So there's also Chris Pine. Um, ben Affleck, also famous for being sad in public. And of course, Idris Elba, who also can rock a sweater very effectively. Um, a lesser known uh, example of the Venus and Cancer archetype is what I would call the soft boys of rock. Um, Robert Plant uh, of Led Zeppelin, who is, I, I'm obsessed with Led Zeppelin. I'm surprised it hasn't been discussed on the show more, but um, he really does like cross over into femininity in a way that I think hadn't been done in, in rock. We think of that in rock as being commonplace now, but um, him doing anything like him with the kimono, like holding on to the dove, that's that is Venus in Cancer culture. Um, and then, of course, Brandon Flowers of the Killers, too. So finally, Venus in Cancer designers. Tom Ford is a Venus in Cancer, and this took me by surprise. I was expecting him to be something more overtly sexy, like Venus in Scorpio or something like that. But then I started to research what has he actually said about his designs and about the kinds of aesthetics he's drawn to. And I have a couple of quotes that I think really embody the Venus in Cancer um, mindset when it comes to how you want to feel and look. So Tom Ford said, there's a different kind of comfort that comes from knowing that you are putting your best foot forward. It's called psychological comfort, right? And that psychological comfort with everything that we just talked about, that is what the Venus in Cancer is trying to look for. I think if you are a Venus in Cancer, you are going to look your best when you are comfortable, no matter what that means to you, right? Um, another Tom Ford quote is never, ever, ever wear anything you are uncomfortable in because that is what you'll project. You will look like a fool. And even if you don't, you'll be tentative and not your best. Um, yeah, I mean, I couldn't have said it any better. That's that's the advice. Another one of my favorite designers as Venus and Cancer is Mucha Prada. Um, obviously Prada and Miu Miu. And I feel like the very girlish look of Miu Miu is super Venus and Cancer as well. That was a long one. I hope, I hope it really opens your eyes to how deep and how kind of expansive the different Venus signs can be. It's not just one thing. It's many. It is a constellation of many different archetypes that if you have that, you can sort of flirt with all of them and try them all on. That's what's so powerful about style is. Um, getting to just be different people. Okay, next sign in the queue is Venus in Leo, the sign of the sun. So Venus and Leo people, as you might expect, are very, very dramatic and glamorous with their style. They have this sort of bombastic confidence and desire to be seen and perceived by the world. And sometimes I think when we talk about style in Leo, there's this subtle, um, I don't know, like knockdown or takedown of them of, you know, oh, they're just trying to get attention. And 
who says that's a bad thing, right? I think the really wonderful thing about our Venus science is that it can show how we can all feel more comfortable in our bodies, in our style. It's a it people are going to see you, right? You're going to be putting yourself out in public, especially as we go out after this quarantine and you know the Venus and Leo person, it's the archetype of the performer, right? Um, they they want to get on stage. It's part of their destiny to um, show up and, and speak before people and like whatever their stage is, right? Whether it's dance or art or writing or public speaking or politics. Um, I think with Venus and Leo, the trick is the sooner that they own that and they own that confidence, the better off they'll be. But when it comes specifically to style and beauty, let's look at how that shows up. So for the femmes of the world, I was really, really surprised by Venus and Leo almost in a what I would consider a scorpionic way being this overt, brash sexuality, right? And here's what I think that is all about. So Venus in Leo uh, is ruled by the sun, right? And in uh, Stellar School, there's a whole episode about the luminaries and the sun and how traditionally there's this thing called combust or under the beams where planets uh, not exactly conjunct the sun, but within a certain amount of degrees up to, I believe, 13 degrees. Um, it's like they're getting scorched by the sun. The sun is kind of outshining them or, or burning them in some way. It's this very uh, hungry fire energy, right? And so I think that Venus and Leo can have that sort of scorching hot effect, right? The The descriptor for these folks would definitely be there is a certain heat to them and the way they choose to present themselves. So first on the list, I put Dita Von Tease, um, famous burlesque dancer and now has a lingerie line. Um, Pamela Anderson, um, obviously super well-known for the sort of like uh, Baywatch, super bleach blonde. Um, big hair is another, like having a big mane uh, is a super Venus and Leo thing. Um, in the Gen Z set, we have Emily Rajatowski. I hope I said that right. Um, she's always got this kind of like smoky golden eye look going on um, and is just so incredibly glamorous. Um, Lindsay Lohan has this. And I think um, one key word for Venus and Leo that maybe you might want to watch out for if you have this placement is overexposure, right? And I've seen so many think pieces lately on, frankly, the, the media's overstepping and uh, overexposure of young women during the early aughts, um, Lindsay Lohan being one of them. But she was always very seemingly conscientious about her style again we see like the big loud hair that was either like red or raven black or blonde um but yeah that that scorched exposure can be a piece of this too um monica bellucci so so beautiful has venus and leo um who else salma hayek you know i'm thinking of them in these movies where they're sort of almost like this vampiric so 
I don't know how accurate this is. I do not have a run in reading, but Elizabeth Bathory was said to have had um, Venus and Leo. She was the, um, I don't know, noble woman in Europe who was supposedly bathing in the blood of virgins to preserve her youth, right? Um, and so when I think of like Selma Hayek and Monica Bellucci, that that kind of Elizabeth Bathory um darkly beautiful energy shows up there um and one of my favorite favorite venus and leo people tessa thompson um i'm thinking of that sort of like cocky confidence of her standing in front of the the canon that looks like very suggestive in um Thor ragnarok um as being a, a venus and leo moment you know i think the very prominent confidence and sexuality comes out even if the person isn't trying it's just something they exude it's like a um you know how the sun it's it exudes this heat and this warmth and this radiance and the same goes for uh venus and leo people too um i mentioned venus and leo being the performer and i think another archetype with this is the consummate performer that's why we have people like madonna michael jackson with this, um, Selena Gomez, who I love, and Selena Gomez has gone on to create a lovely beauty line, Rare Beauty, um, with a really amazing, like, bold lip colors and such. Um, Dua Lipa, who looked incredible at the Grammys in a very Leo kind of way, with, like, very bright pinks and, um, yeah, just very, very bold. Um, Amy Winehouse, RIP to her, um, she was so gifted as a performer and obviously made such a potent impact with her style with that um i I see on astrology twitter uh and instagram how many of us do the sort of cat eye look it's definitely i've talked in dazed beauty about how that's like i don't feel done until i put on cat eyeliner and i wonder you know with leo being like the feline thing like i wonder the root for how how many of us have the root of that is Amy Winehouse. I know that definitely was an inspiration for me. Um, other performers are Solange Knowles, who I feel like does not get enough credit. Like she has such powerful slam. Think of like her wedding pictures just standing so perfectly. Like she's so good. Um, Shirley Manson from Garbage, again with the like very bold hair. She always had like pink or red hair. Um, and then when we look towards the masculine folks, I think the ultimate Venus and Leo is Donald Glover. I'm thinking of him performing this childish Gambino. There's a video. He has like his shirt off and he's singing Redbone and like Rihanna is in front of him just like vibing and scream singing at him. Like that is a Venus and Leo moment if I've ever seen one. So um, also... Eyes Wide Shut has been talked about on this podcast many, many times. Uh, It's a movie by Stanley Kubrick, um, and it's so good. If you haven't watched it, you should. And that film is really a Venus and Leo experiment because both the two stars as well as the director have Venus and Leo. So Nicole Kidman, Tom Cruise, and Stanley Kubrick. And um, I don't know how much you may have read about the film, but yeah, um, Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise were married at the time that they made it. They ended up, you know, at certain points living in an apartment that uh, was a piece of the set. And it was this extremely um, intimate performing experience that ultimately uh, did seem to leave them a little bit scorched or, or burned. Right. So um, 
interesting thing to muse on with Venus and Leo and definitely watch that for your hot summer watching. Um, I don't know what to make of this example, but again, I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that Gwyneth Paltrow has Venus and Leo. And with Goop and all of that, you know, I, I think Goop makes some good products and makes some good content, but Gwyneth seems so adept at manipulating this Neptune and Pisces illusory moment to court the spotlight, you know. Things like a vagina candle are very, very Venus and Leo, so I don't know, Gwyneth, but she she has been a huge uh, fashion inspiration for many. She has the uh, de rigueur blonde hair. Um, I'm thinking of her pink dress. I feel like pink is a Venus and Leo thing. Um, back to the masculine side of the spectrum. Um, so many of the Venus and Leo uh, masculine examples are people just with ridiculous charisma. Um, we're talking about Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, Daniel Radcliffe, David Duchovny, Jason Momoa, uh, and my personal favorite, James Gandolfini. These are all people who had this profound charisma to lead some kind of franchise, whether it was, I don't know, like Sherlock or Harry Potter, X-Files, uh, you know, Game of Thrones and uh, Justice League and, um, of course, The Sopranos. Like, And sometimes with uh, the Venus placements, there will be similar... Um, looks like certain um just colors that people gravitate to or certain ways of presenting the self and all of these people look wildly different they could not look more different but it's just that charisma that charm that smile is is where venus and leo comes in um finally for the designers of venus and leo for lack of a better phrase i feel like the most like fashion-y fashion brands whose names are synonymous with glamour even to the most lay of lay person um Yves Saint Laurent and uh Chanel Coco Chanel um had Venus and Leo so not surprising at all all right everyone we're almost halfway through the signs this is shaping up to be a really long episode but this is such a passion of mine and i wanted to get it right i wanted to give you all the information and really have this be something you can come back to again and again as you potentially go through your own examination of your venus sign um it needed to be comprehensive and really contain as much as possible. I wanted it to be like all Bad Astro episodes, but even more bursting at the seams with stuff that you can use. So without further ado, let's dive into Venus in Virgo. Now, admittedly, I may be biased because as you probably know by now, I have Venus in Virgo and I love this placement um, against all odds because this is traditionally uh, according to the rules of essential dignity, the quote-unquote worst placement for Venus. And as you hear the examples of the folks on the list, I think you'll be surprised that there are so many fashion icons, um, just genuinely like beautiful people that have this. Um, but I think it's more about the relationship to beauty it's deeper than having a quote-unquote debilitated venus so debilitated is the um correct word 
for um, when Venus or any other planet is in a position that isn't traditionally good for it by the essential dignity rules. So um, Venus in Virgo is ruled by Mercury. And when you think about it, um, so in Hermetic Kabbalah, Venus and Mercury are actually opposite each other as a polarity, with Venus being art and music and beauty, and the other side of the polarity being Mercury as intellectualism, logic, um, and, and magic, as in like traditional magical systems, right? And so one is more felt in the heart and one is thought through in the head. So the the challenge of Venus and Virgo, but also the strength of it, is that the style is very considered. It's very thought through. And similar to Venus and Gemini, it's what I would call smart dressing, right? So very polished, um, can be very buttoned up. But let's just dive into the examples to get a look. So when we look at Virgo, the most obvious alignment of Virgo is the idea of perfectionism. Anyone who knows, uh, who's ever read a horoscope, it's like Venus, uh, you know, in Virgo is a perfectionist style. But I think when we look at the three main modern uh, examples, that is quite true. They're the modern supermodel who is contoured and perfected to fit the algorithm. So we have Bella Hadid, Kylie Jenner, and Kim Kardashian, right? And Kim Kardashian was really, we take contouring as a makeup concept. So for, if you're listening, you're like, the fuck is contouring? Um, it's this idea where you take uh, different shades of makeup and use it to enhance the features on your face to have maybe sharper cheekbones, maybe a, a slimmer or more enhanced nose or things like that. And that's where you get the sort of what I call Instagram face, you know what I'm talking about. The brows are slightly too done. They're slightly too big. The makeup is just like a little bit too perfect. Um, there's usually like a false lash situation going on. I love a false lash, um, but it's that it's very, um, well, it's very mercurial. It's very formulaic and it fits this uh, algorithm grid pattern, right? However, Kim Kardashian sort of invented it, right? And so how interesting is that that Venus, uh, Venus and Virgo invented the modern uh, algorithm beauty style? Um, and I'm, I'm interested in this idea that I wonder if Venus and Virgo isn't attracted more to beauty than fashion. So like makeup than clothes. Um, my favorite Instagram makeup artist, Katie Jane Hughes, I looked up her birthday and she does have Venus and Virgo. Um, and her her looks are based around like very precise eyeliner and like very um, carefully placed uh, product. And so I think those precision, um, careful, these are words that you considered. These are all words that tend to come up a lot with Venus and Virgo in style. I'm definitely that way. Um, I tend towards wearing really classic uh, clothes, you know, like I like to just be able to know that I can pull out a pair of jeans and a neutral colored shirt and uh, maybe a blazer or some sort of jacket and a boot and be dressed. I'm not um, super adventurous with that, but I am very, very into makeup and I have been since I was really, really young. So um, one 
archetype that I put under the Venus and Virgo heading is what I like to call grown woman style, right? So this is the polished, the creme de la creme, um, you know, it, it can be a little more buttoned up, a little bit older looking, but it, it's still very beautiful. It's sort of this, um, I don't know how to describe it. It almost has um, teacher, librarian vibes. Those things tend to come up with Venus and Virgo for sure. Um, I'm talking about folks like Meghan Markle, um, who looks so amazing uh, all of the time. And I think her like perfectly tailored coats and, um, you know, very streamlined looks are super Venus and Virgo. Um, we also have Martha Stewart. Uh, I think of her pandemic thirst traps or her pool, that sort of aspirationally sexy thing, um, even into what, I don't know, the media would consider to be like an expired woman. Um, she had some uh, photo shoot recently and it showed like all of her beauty belongings, like vanity and all this perfume. And I feel like that there is an aspirational aspect to Venus and Virgo that I, I think is really cool. Um, Jillian Anderson also has this and she's always, think of her in what's it called, The Fall or even in The X-Files, like that kind of... Um, sexy office look or something in sex education. A couple of other examples of this grown woman style are Catherine Zeta-Jones. I remember falling in love with her style, seeing her in Chicago, and she recently on this amazing article in The New Yorker. Um, Charlize Theron um, projects a sort of unavailable beauty that has a severity to it. I do think there is a severity at times to Venus and Virgo that you don't see with other Venus placements. Um, I think, you know, every Venus sign is a spectrum and there's sort of this uh, heightened, super polished, highly elegant Venus in Virgo, but on the other side, there can be a little bit of um, what I might call basic style. And here's the thing, I have no judgment towards basic style. I love a pumpkin candle. I love a camel knee-high boot, like, I am as God God or goddess made me, right? Like, but uh, interestingly enough, Blake Lively does have Venus in Virgo. And I think when we think of like um, just the, the regular, like just very regular style, sometimes that can come through as Venus in Virgo. Um, one of my other absolute favorite Venus in Virgo icons is Cara Delevingne. Um, She's often seen in very uh, buttoned up looks, but lately has been experimenting more with uh, casual loungewear. But, you know, whatever she wears, she manages to make it look incredibly elegant. So I do love that. Um, a couple of other archetypes for the femme side are what I would call vintage babes, right? So we're thinking Catherine Deneuve, Sophia Loren, Brigitte Bardot. Um, again, this sort of idealized, lofty, um, cat-eyed, um, extremely uh, polished and elegant look. Um, there's also a, another piece of this, which what I would say is it's musical women with a cult following and like a very unique look. And it's like their style is a part of the story that they're telling with their music. Like the style is bigger than them. The style is 
And it isn't just clever for the sake of cleverness, like Venus and Gemini. Like it's a considered part of their self projection. Um, so right off the bat, Gwen Stefani. Um, I when I think of women in music, I really can't name another like. They do tend toward more towards the rock side, and maybe that's the severity that I was mentioning. But yeah, Gwen Stefani, the super blonde with the red lipstick, um, pink. Uh, PJ Harvey, who I absolutely love. Um, if you've never listened to PJ Harvey, go out right now, listen to her. Um, Joan Jett, a classic. Um, MIA, again, amazing producer, amazing songwriter. Um, and most recently, Kali Uchis. So, yeah. Surprisingly, what I was talking about before with the severity, Venus and Virgo can occasionally have a little bit of a gothic spin to it. I'm thinking specifically of, again, another one of my favorite style icons, Angelica Houston as Morticia Adams. Um, and she was also so there's that famous Vanity Fair picture where she's wearing the kind of equestrian like um, tan pants with the riding boots, no bra, tank top, really leaned back. And that kind of like effortless elegance is Venus and Virgo incarnate. But that highly gothic Morticia Adams piece can be Venus and Virgo, as well as Carrie Ann Moss in The Matrix. Um, who else could carry off a, a full-on trench coat? Coats are very important to the Venus and Virgo aesthetic. So at Venus and Virgos, if you live in a hot climate, tell me what you're doing for your style because <laughs> I need inspiration. It's about to be 100 degrees every day where I am, and I'm very much reliant on overcoats and boots to project uh, this look. So um, for the gentleman and the mask side of things, these are guys who aren't afraid to make a statement who may end up becoming synonymous with their look for better or for worse. So I'm thinking of Chris Hemsworth, who we've talked about. One thing about Chris Hemsworth in recent years that I think is really cool is that he became this sort of like almost like uncomfortable sex symbol. And then he really played with that in Endgame by becoming thick Thor and like rebelling against those expectations. That's really cool. A couple of others are Jack White, who obviously has such a, similar to the other musicians I was mentioning, um, the look is a part of the musical story that he's telling. Also, Antonio Banderas, Zorro, I feel like is a very Venus and Virgo, like that kind of dashing, dark, uh, like caped masked look. Um, Sting has this. And finally, my favorite, most recent example from this year's Oscars in 2021 is Lakeith Stanfield and that YSL jumpsuit. It's actually a women's jumpsuit that was tailored for him. Um, I would wear the fuck out of that jumpsuit. It looked amazing. Um, and I think that kind of uh, <laughs> excellence in tailoring is, is this sign and placement done perfectly finally um the designers that have this also align with that kind of aspirationally beautiful idea or beauty as an achievement um we have louis vuitton um and of course the louis vuitton bag is like i said synonymous with um yeah like beauty precision accomplishment right and um 
looking at what Louis Vuitton has actually said, he said, the Louis Vuitton woman is more about equality, equality within some women that needs to come forward to be noticed and recognized. So it's curious to me that he's saying kind of like the Venus in Virgo is being in its fall, needing to be pulled out and pulled forward. That is really powerful. Um, and then most recently, Susie Cave, uh, the founder of The Vampire's Wife, has a Venus in Virgo, too. Um, I love The Vampire's Wife's designs. They're very, um, kind of, like, polished, very, like, um, you could almost call them, like, modest dresses. Like, they all have these kind of, like, collars and ruffles, but they're still very fun and playful. Um, and again, the, the vampiric quality is kind of a little bit gothic, and they, they mark it a little towards the uh, witchier uh, demographic. So we love to see it for sure. All right. Next up, we have Venus in Libra. So Libra is the second domicile of Venus, aka her second home sign. And I think of this as being the morning star aspect of Venus. So it's Venus as idealistic, this lofty, almost like platonic ideal of beauty, right? Um, think of the Keats like truth is beauty, beauty truth. That is all you know on earth and all you need to know. Like that is what Venus and Libra is all about. And that ethereal intellectual quality of Venus and Libra is interesting to me because this was the Venus sign that I was able to turn up the least number of examples for. There were not that many, and this shocked me because I thought, oh, Venus is at home in Libra. Of course, we're going to see so many um, examples of, of style here, and they just aren't there. Um, I have a couple of thoughts on that, but I really think it's that to them, beauty is more of an ideal, more of a, yeah, this platonic uh, thing out in the ether rather than something physical, or they're so experienced and just having that be a part of their sphere that they don't feel a need as much to like project it out into the world. Like they're too busy embodying Venus to the world to, um, you know, it, it's so effortless for them. They don't need to put so much force and effort on it as, let's say, a Mars ruled Venus would. But the few archetypes that I would turn that I was able to turn up included these. So there is something very regal about Venus and Libra, something royal in their lofty beauty, even more so than Venus and Leo. I was surprised. Like, this is the elevated Venus. Um, the Venus that is so Venusian and it's sort of like off limits to the rest of us civilians or uh, subjects, right? So, of course, the queen, Beyonce, has Venus in Libra. This doesn't surprise me. She's so um, beautiful and influential in her style, but it is it does seem to be more of an ideal for her, someone that she pulls through in her visual albums and her artworks to make a really important statement and that statement is one of a need for justice right which is I think a an often ignored aspect of Libra when we talk about Venus you know Venus traditionally was Ishtar which was a goddess of love and war right and so I think we see both those uh loving and warlike qualities in Beyonce and in in her person um 
We talk about royalty. Grace Kelly also had Venus in Libra. She became literal royalty. And she did have that sort of ethereal, don't perceive me beauty. Like you could barely look at her. Um, You know, she was so gorgeous. Um, And that sort of, um, it does seem Venus and Libra can be related to being in a power couple or a relationship. Beyonce, of course, with Jay-Z and Grace Kelly um, with marrying into the royalty of Monaco. Um, My personal favorite Venus and Libra style icon is Florence Welch, who has this sort of uh, pre-Raphaelite, idealistic, almost looks like a painting beauty going on. And I think she's very aware of that. She pulls uh, those sort of romantic in a literary sense, um, images and ideas in through all of her work. So it only makes sense that she would do that through her style as well. So looking on the masculine end, I think dandy style is very Venus and Libra. I'm talking folks like Freddie Mercury and then the ultimate dandy Oscar Wilde. Um, And then on the masculine side, more in the modern era, (laughs) the thing that they all had in common seems a bit ludicrous, but it's the, the only thing that tied them together is what I would call internet boyfriends. Do you remember there was this period on the internet where everyone was like, oh, so-and-so's the internet boyfriend. So all of those dudes all have Venus and Libra, right? And so I wonder if they don't have some sort of like that partnership is baked into the cosmic consciousness around this person. So I'm going to send a list of out and you'll see we have uh, Megan's husband, Harry, <laughs> Prince Harry, uh, Ryan Gosling, Matthew McConaughey, Adam Driver, and Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, all of which have been the internet boyfriend. Um, the only other example I turned up for the the gentleman in the room was Viggo Mortensen, which I feel like is also that almost like pre Raphaelite, similarly like dreamy as a literal half elf king. Like it's almost like so entrenched in the, the fantasy aspect of things that it's hard to separate that from the, the person. But yeah, that's all the examples I've got. We're, we're done with Venus and Libra and therefore uh, over halfway finished with Venus signs. Now, I am so, so, so excited to share my findings with you on Venus in Scorpio. So this was quite unexpected. There are so many powerful, magnetic, impressive people with Venus in Scorpio. So Venus in Scorpio is ruled, co-ruled by Mars traditionally in Pluto as the modern ruler. Um, but since it's ruled by Mars, it also means that this is the second placement for Venus in detriment. So it shares some DNA with, um, Venus in Aries, right? And you really, really will see that here. These are people who, by embodying the Scorpio archetype of being either dark or brooding or just having this magnetism and power to them, they make a really powerful impact on on style and on the world around them. So Venus and Scorpio, when we look at that, the number one example, I think, is our goth queen, Winona Ryder. Um, that's, she, she's the number one, absolutely. Um, but beyond the gothic, spooky aspect of things, I want to look at the relationship between Venus and Scorpio and 
power and how we relate to power and power imbalance and all those sorts of things. So Venus and Scorpio can be this sort of power broker. I think Wolf of Wall Street is a Venus and Scorpio project, right? So that is where we do see Venus in detriment, people who aren't able to access their capacity for love because they're obsessed with power. Um, but Leonardo DiCaprio and Jonah Hill both have Venus and Scorpio. And both of them, any movie that they touch just becomes instantly 20 times more interesting. You just cannot tear your eyes away from the screen because it's so emotionally impactful. Um, so, yeah, that's that piece of it. There's also Venus and Scorpio as possessed by people who use their political image to gain power. And another piece of uh, Venus and Scorpio, since it's ruled by Pluto, I find that Pluto, Pluto's like a magnet, right? And so there's like the two poles of a magnet, the one that attracts and the one that repels. And so Venus and Scorpio can have this very polarizing effect on one's look or one's presentation. Look no further than Hillary Clinton to see the effect of this, right? So for her, the pantsuit became synonymous with women's power dressing but was also like so much else related to her public image just absolutely reviled and stomped on right um but she was able to effectively use that as almost like a an armor or a shield uh, or to create this idea that was bigger than herself um, Vladimir Putin also has Venus in Scorpio and he's weirdly obsessed with putting forth this like desirable macho man image. There's like pictures of him riding horses, shirtless, weird stuff. Um, but you know, I do think looking at both those examples, those attempts to gain power through the image are usually met with some degree of scorn, right? So I think as we go through these examples, there is a level of care that's required in self-presentation with um, Venus and Scorpio and sometimes cultivating a little more mystery is definitely the way to go. So my favorite, favorite archetype with uh, Venus and Scorpio is the true rock stars. These are the folks that are often pictured with cigarettes or joints almost as an accessory sort of hanging off their mouth brooding in a corner somewhere with a guitar um, or in a studio. So Keith Richards, one of my personal style icons and absolute uh, favorite humans. Uh, Bruce Springsteen, think of him with uh, on the cover of Darkness at the Edge of Town with like the leather jacket and the cigarette. Um, Snoop Dogg, of course. Drake, Jay-Z, and Frank Ocean all have Venus and Scorpio. And lastly, Cardi B has Venus and Scorpio, which I just absolutely love. And she does have this this rock star persona, this larger than life uh, aura to her that both attracts and repels. Um, Cardi B also falls under this next uh, Venus and Scorpio archetype that I find really intriguing. I call them the verbal assassins, right? So Venus and Scorpio people, they can, because of their magnetism, they're able to build a large platform. And sometimes they either use that platform to, you know, fire shots at others 
um, or the shots get fired at them. So I'm, I'm recalling when Cardi B had some feud with someone. She said she was going to dog walk someone on Twitter. Um, but that's very, you know, that's the Venus and Scorpio fight. They're not afraid of a fight. And they're so, they are like verbal assassins. They will absolutely take you down. I would not want to get into a uh, intellectual duel with these folks or, or a physical one. I don't recommend assault. Um, also for Venus in Scorpio, we have Chris Jenner, um, who we see uh, being the sort of like mastermind of the Kardashian family. Um, Gordon Ramsay is such a funny example of this to me because he's made this career out of being like a friendly face on TV who's constantly cussing people out. Like, how is that possible? Well, it's possible because of Venus and Scorpio, right? Um, people, people love that aspect of him. Um, there's also Sasha Baron Cohen, um, which is constantly undertaking these sort of dangerous artistic projects as a way to, especially with the most recent Borat, like expose abuses of power through, um, harsh, uh, satirical critique, right? As weaponizing that art as, um, something that can really be cutting and powerful. Um, finally, Dakota Johnson has this, and I'm thinking of the Ellen DeGeneres meme with her of like, actually, that's not true, Ellen. Um, you know, Venus and Scorpio, they do tend to garner the, the love of a platform, um, and, and they're going, they have a very strong memory, a, a strong visual memory often, and so... Consider that if you are in a relationship with one. Um, other folks that have had historically a problematic relationship to beauty and pleasure with Venus and Scorpio would be uh, Marie Antoinette, the let them eat cake, of course. Um, but folks who have Venus and Scorpio and sort of exude this power for good, um, you know, another, I think... Uh, way to think of it is like the the winners, the victors, right? And so we have Anne Hathaway, uh, Zoe Kravitz, and Serena Williams. Serena Williams is so powerful, um, whether it's on the tennis court or in Lemonade saying, I'm not sorry, like just absolutely love her. Um, when we look at films and television shows where Venus and Scorpio is prominent, Game of Thrones is the Venus and Scorpio show, right? So three of the main cast members and main characters. So Emilia Clark, Daenerys, has this. Um, I think of her famous line, uh, let it be fear then. She's like, you know, if I can't roll with love, then okay, well, let him be afraid of me. Um, Lena Headey, who played Cersei, who I love, and, you know, we've seen so many memes of their line, I choose violence, you know, Venus and Scorpio often chooses violence. Um, and then Kit Harrington um, has it as well. So yeah, I think that sort of um, sexy subterfuge of Game of Thrones is, is uh, Venus and Scorpio incarnate. When we look at designers for this, right, there's um, Alessandra Michelle whose work uh, recently, especially I'm thinking of with like Jared Leto at the Met Gala holding a prosthetic of his own head as like moody and sort of a cult, right? Very scorpionic. 
um, Alexander Wang, who was with Balenciaga from 2012 to 2015 and now is a household name of his own, uh, has this. And then um, Jane Birkin, for whom the Birkin bag was created, had Venus in Scorpio, and that is the power accessory. So you see how this works. This is beauty and power inextricably linked, and it's quite intriguing. Okay, next up we have Venus in Sagittarius, which is ruled by Jupiter, the planet of expansion and good luck and partying and excess. And we really see that adventurous free spirit in the stylistic choices of the people who have this placement. So just to dive right in, the first archetype here is the experimental pop stars. So think glitter and sequins and truly over-the-top looks. So my personal favorite here is Janelle Monet. Um, I loved her silver head-to-toe, um, I don't know, like alien sorcerer look. Um, and that's just the tip of the iceberg of her incredible tuxedos and costumes and, um, you know, she's always, always pushing forward what is possible and acceptable in uh in style and music and it's just frankly fucking amazing um billy eilish also has venus in sagittarius and you know who else is more influential in style right now and and has more range i think when you look at venus and sagittarius there is a wide expansive range of things that they can pull off and make look good that's kind of what's super enviable about their look you know she can wear a black and neon green um loungewear suit with like neon green roots in her hair and then the next day go and do a Marilyn Monroe inspired sort of silk velour blonde hair look right um they really do have so much that's available to them. It's true maximalism, true more is more, and it is kind of an incredible thing to witness. Um, Willow Smith also has Venus in Sagittarius and has a similarly like inventive um, experimental style. Um, Haley Williams from Paramore has this, and I'm thinking of all the many uh, transformations her hair has undergone, especially that split orange pink look. It's always very choppy. That's super, super Venus in Sagittarius. Um, Katy Perry has this as well. She's had lots of different hair colors and has always gone really, really um, loud with her costumes, whether it's dressing up like a literal peacock, whether it's a left shark at the at the Super Bowl, uh, whether it's going from like long black hair to pixie cut, whether it's a bra made of Hershey kisses, there's, you know, Sagittarius is funny and there can be a sense of humor to these looks that I really love. I'm thinking of Janelle Monae's pink video where there's like literal costumes, little like vaginas. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, other folks that have Venus and Sagittarius include Christina Aguilera, who is also not shy about very, um, bright hair and really in-your-face uh, costumes. Uh, Aaliyah had this as well. And there's, you know, she did everything from being an actual vampire to I'm thinking of the amazing um, sort of super streamlined, like crop top silver pants in the Are You That Somebody video with like a hawk 
right? Like it's very, very out there, very free spirited and we love to see it. Um, Nicki Minaj also has this and she's always been very, um, you know, with the pink wig and the exaggerated looks, that's, that's Venus and Sagittarius for sure. And the thing is, the masculine folks fall into this category too, right? So David Bowie is Venus and Sagittarius and who has been more adventurous and rock and roll with their look than him, right? Like, I think dressing like a literal alien, even more than Venus and Aquarius, seems like a, a Venus and Sagittarius move. Um, Jimi Hendrix had this, and that sort of psychedelic um, 60s style with the fringe and the bright colors um, is this too. And then Jimmy Page from uh, Led Zeppelin. Um, <laughs> thinking of him in the, the dragon suit that he had made with like the flared pants and the jacket that had like um, an actual dragon with sequins sewed into it. That, that right there is over the top Venus and Sagittarius glamour. Um, interestingly, Anna Wintour has Venus and Sagittarius. Um, and I guess she is at the, the forefront, the helm of what trends go out into the world. Um, but beyond the more traditional side, I really like Venus and Sagittarius as the people who are unafraid to be the weirdos, right? So Tilda Swinton, um, who has so much range and such a cult following, she has Venus and Sagittarius, as does Hedy Lamar, right, who was also a scientist and I believe mathematician too. Um, so there is a, a Sagittarius is wisdom and knowledge and studying. So I think there can be a little bit of a crossover between the less of the Virgo intellectualism, but the, the studied aspect of this too, like wanting to take everything as far as it goes, whether it's the pursuit of knowledge, whether it's your costumes, what have you. Um, believe it or not, I was not able to turn up too many masculine folks that had Venus and Sagittarius. I just couldn't get them. Um, the people that I were able to find were Jake Gyllenhaal and Jeff Goldblum. And I just don't, I don't know. Jeff Goldblum, I totally see. He's, um, very, uh, I don't know, kind of loud and in your face, but also, um, debonair right and he's also like a jazz pianist there's a knowledge aspect of it too but Jake Gyllenhaal I don't I don't know I really don't know someone if you have any take on why uh Jake Gyllenhaal has Venus and Sagittarius let me know but for now we're gonna move on um and look at the the last thing which is the fashion designer for Venus and Sagittarius and that's Emilio Pucci so Pucci if you don't know, um, made these, when you think of the 1960s and this sort of like paisley, weird, psychedelic, super bright patterns, that's where they came from, right? So it only makes sense that that he would have this placement and his Venus uh, was placed with his Mars and Sagittarius. So I think that turns up the volume on those gorgeous prints that we just mentioned. Okay, everybody, are you still with me? If so, let's go on to Venus in Capricorn. So Venus in Capricorn is ruled by Saturn, a planet that gets a really, really 
bad rep, probably because of all the press that the Saturn return has gotten in recent years. Saturn rules things like authority and responsibility. But when we combine that with style, what we get can actually be a really lovely outcome. It's very dignified. It's very structured. Um, It can be more traditional looks. um, And it can also be where sort of the value of things intersect with your perception of beauty and style, right? So Venus and Capricorn loves a status symbol and is often influenced by historical styles. So not necessarily traditions, but styles of the past and making them modern for the present. Um, they often have really angular features um, leading into the structured aspect of the style. But before we go any further, let's just dive into it. So the number one uh, Venus and Capricorn style icon, I think, is January Jones, especially in her guise as Betty Draper on Mad Men, right? Um, she's been, I love her Instagram. She has been getting her life during the quarantine and, um, she kind of has this like unhinged, uh, rich lady vibe going on. And, and that is ultimately very Venus and Capricorn. It's either like, um, 1960s, uh, Stepford wife or, um, you know, just trying to be as fancy and quarantine as possible. But when we look further at Venus and Capricorn, it can be people who are attractive to the more traditional set of society or to a wide audience, right? Um, So we're thinking of people like Britney Spears, um, Scarlett Johansson, for sure, um, they're, they're folks who have that sort of like Disney channel appeal, right? Um, a couple of other examples for Venus and Capricorn is Faye Dunaway. Um, I love her style in Bonnie and Clyde. I think that sort of, um, very put together look, but with an edge of bank robber, um, is, is perfect for this. Lucy Liu does Venus and Capricorn incredibly well. She has cheekbones for days um, and just has a very, um, not traditional, but classic style. Yeah, Capricorn, since it's on the same axis as Cancer, they both gravitate towards more classic styles. Um, But that is not necessarily the only way that they can show up. So interestingly enough, there's this trifecta of folks that have Venus and Capricorn that I find really interesting and sort of that fundamentally go against what we might define as, oh, Venus and Capricorn is traditional. It behaves a certain type of way. So that's Miley Cyrus, Bjork, and Kesha, right? So those are not people who are towing the line, so to speak, and looking for like, uh, you know, um, what I would call like heirloom bags or, you know, classic styles like jeans and a blazer. You know, we really don't see that. Um, but I think for them, what this is, is it's people who feel the constraints of modern beauty standards really strongly. Um, you know, Venus and Capricorn, because it is ruled by Saturn, 
they do have to grapple with those feelings of having their perception of beauty be restrained or restricted in some way and having to break out of those societal norms. I think Miley Cyrus recently has done this so beautifully with her latest record, with her rock and roll haircut. And, you know, she's been doing this for many years incredibly well. Um, Bjork really laid the foundation for that um, rebelling against what is expected in beauty right so showing up in a swan dress is very it's it's not Betty Draper it's antithetical to that um and then Kesha of course similarly had a I'm going to press against what you how you think I should be behaving as a, a feminine person aspect of things um and I think we do see some partying with that but as a form of rebellion um so when we look at art, uh, television shows and films for this, the L word is a Venus and Capricorn project. So Catherine Monig, Kay Monig, was Shane on the L word and was truly the progenitor of Miley's most recent style situation. If you um, are not totally immersed in queer culture, I recommend that you just Google Shane L word and you'll see this sort of like um, highly androgynous, like razor uh, haircut, um, just, and, and you know, Shane does rely on that sort of like, I'm going to wear a white t-shirt and jeans. It's very, very uh, Venus and Capricorn. And then the other side of the Venus and Capricorn spectrum is Jennifer Beals, right? Who looks as incredible in gray sweats as she does in those power suits on the L word. So there you go. That's your explanation of Venus and Capricorn is watch the L word and see it unfold. Um Another archetype for Venus and Capricorn that I found really, really fascinating is it's people who see their look as work, right? Or have somehow figured out how to make their appearance their business. So people like RuPaul, right, who has made drag truly their business, right? Um, Tyra Banks, who, you know, I think there's been a little bit of a reckoning around her behavior on America's Next Top Model, but she did... Um, you know, her looks were her business and aesthetic was her business for a very long time. Um, Dolly Parton is the ultimate, right? The, the higher the hair, the closer to God is being very aware of how her cultivating that style was a smart business move and also an expression of the self. And then most recently, Megan the Stallion, who could be better um, with just the intersection of, of value and beauty, right? Um, and also SZA. I love, love SZA. And I think kind of in a similar way to like Miley, but quite different. And I don't know, I don't want to compare them too much, but um, she really reckons with the challenges related to beauty. Um, think of her song um, where she says like, tell me my booty's getting bigger even if it ain't tell me you love me even if it pains you like yeah the she is very raw and vulnerable about her own beauty insecurities and in doing that is is so beautiful and so inspiring and absolutely love her so uh a couple of others yeah erica badu um who has more of like a almost a little bit like crunchy look. Um, and then Alicia Keys being au naturel, 
um, not wearing any makeup and focusing on skincare. And I think that stripped back thing can be Venus and Capricorn too. Um, when we look at the gentleman or the masculine side, it's uh, similar to what we saw with Britney Spears and Scarlett Johansson. It's people who have this traditional widespread appeal. So like kind of like Americana favorite. So Brad Pitt, Elvis Presley, James Dean, Justin Timberlake, Bradley Cooper, Brendan Fraser. Yeah, all of those guys are kind of like, I don't know, the bros bros. Um, another piece of this is, you know, Venus and Capricorn is people who have had a long career or became successful later in life. So Betty White, Anthony Hopkins, Maggie Smith, Capricorn is associated with old age. And so I think if you have Venus and Capricorn, maybe you'll have some sort of, uh, artistic success in the twilight years. Only time will tell. All right, everyone. Next up, we have Venus in Aquarius, which is Venus as ruled by Saturn, the traditional ruler of the sign, making it share some DNA with Venus and Capricorn, but also co-ruled by the modern planet Uranus, which is associated with surprises, shock, being a rebel, and generally going against the grain and status quo. Um, Aquarius is a sign of culture itself, of large groups, of the zeitgeist, and um, the way that that marches forward. And the amazing thing about Venus and Aquarius is that these folks are the trendsetters. They are the icons. They are what I like to call the vessels for the cultural current. And you'll see what I mean in just a minute. They become this sort of container for whatever is going on in the zeitgeist at the moment. Or alternately, they set the tone because they're five steps ahead of everybody else at that given moment when it comes to style, art, music, beauty, all those things. So I tend to break... Venus and Aquarius into two different subtypes, the Saturnian type and the Uranian type. So let's do that right now. So first, I want to talk about the Saturnian Venus and Aquarius. So that's the Venus and Aquarius that can be appealing to the most uh, traditional stretches of people. It can be even a little bit norm core, but I don't, I don't say that in a bad way because my favorite Saturnian Venus and Aquarius is... Taylor Swift, the queen of the cottage core aesthetic, and even her back with the 1989 and red records, you know, with the, the red lipstick and the, the dark blonde hair and just songs that are massively appealing to literally every human on this earth. Um, that's what Venus and Aquarius is capable of, right? I think of her song style saying we never go out of style about one of her past relationships. And it shows this understanding of Aquarius is an air sign and she really grasps love and style as both an idea and a, and a moment, right? And that's the strength of the sign. Another Saturnian Venus and Aquarius is Kate Moss. Um, the supermodel, supermodel, I think if some of you were to ask someone, tell me a supermodel's name, that would be it. Um, there's also 
Catherine, the Duchess of Cambridge has this. And I think before the modern reckoning with the royal family, that was kind of what everybody wanted that to be. Uh, everyone's family sort of pushed them to say, oh, well, that's what you should do. That's the standard of beauty that you should have, very in line with tradition and history. Um, another example that's come up in recent uh, months with WandaVision is Elizabeth Olsen, right? Um she does the uh, 19, uh, all of the decades, right? She's able to sort of channel the zeitgeist of each decade in WandaVision in so expertly. Um, and I think that Venus and Aquarius shape-shifting through time, almost like a style time traveler, um, is what enables her to do that so well. So on the other end of the spectrum, we have um, Uranus ruled, Venus and Aquarius. So this is Venus and Aquarius that is not interested in playing by the rules, that wants to rebel, that wants to go against the status quo. Um, or alternately, Uranus can be associated with technology um, and the the cultural current as carried by um, proto-social media, the media, and so on. So it can be kind of the, the it girl or the it person of the moment. So for the Iranian side, we actually see a lot of reality TV stars with this, weirdly. So Paris Hilton, who is so, so, so Aquarian. And I think um, some of the media that's come out lately around her shows that she's been really smart with her image, right? Um, Lauren Conrad on the Hills, uh, Tiffany Pollard from I Love New York and the Beyonce meme, and then Kat Von D. So um, Kat Von D do not see eye to eye on her on the anti-vax stuff, but she was able to successfully channel her um, reality TV star tattoo uh, image into a successful... Uh, beauty brand that continues to be best-selling at Sephora and Ulta and everywhere. So something to consider. Another archetype that is super Venus in Aquarius. Aquarius has access to this kind of cool, beautiful nonchalance. Um, and so there is, especially among the femmes, this jazz singer look and, and way of being. So people like Shade Adu, Nina Simone, Aretha Franklin, and Kelly Rowland. All of them so, so talented and um, just so gifted in their ability to just, uh, I don't know, show up with some swagger and um, really court the attention of the media in a way that's smart and like doesn't overexpose. It's really, really cool. Um, and just beautiful voices, every single one of them that has, have this like soothing, calming effect. So when we look to the masculine side of things, the Saturnian Venus and Aquarius guys are literally like their name, their character names are synonymous with a certain style, right? So we have Daniel Craig as James Bond, um, John Hamm as Don Draper, that sort of like cool gray suit kind of look or dinner jacket thing like that is the um I don't know suiting seems very uh Venus and Aquarius for sure 
Um, for the Uranian gentleman, we've got number one on the list. Absolutely has to be Harry Styles. Interesting that him and Taylor Swift both have this and they both... Um, channel it so well right so i'm thinking harry styles and his incredible leather jacket and feather boa um jesus christ written out next to it i remember seeing that look at this year's grammys and being like i would wear that that is so cool how are you wearing like a kind of like a lime green feather boa it looks like it came from the dollar store and it's so cool um but that's venus and aquarius for you they can pull off really weird looks and it, it works for them um timothy chalamet i think i'm seeing a trend with the uranian uh, venus and aquarius is like <laughs> i wrote zoomer crushes i think that's true um there's also like Nicholas Cage is kind of like the weirdo, um, I don't know, weirdo star person. Um, you know, another example is LeBron James has Venus in Aquarius, and he can be a little bit daring with his looks, right? Like, I remember when he showed up in the suit that was shorts, I think it was Tom Brown. Um, yeah, that was, I, I remember him getting some shit for that, but th- I, I thought it looked freaking amazing. So there's that. Um, an interesting duo that has Venus and Aquarius, and it shows the sort of sci-fi um, aspect of things is Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner. Both have Venus and Aquarius. And think of what Star Trek has become. It is this like, vessel for the cultural current and the idealism of what it's even possible for human beings to do and become right it's pretty freaking cool um and finally tom hiddleston also has uh venus in aquarius and he's going to be in the loki movie uh movie the loki show coming out soon and i think that sort of um ability to Spirit had a franchise like this and be at the head of, I mean, I feel like for him, this is Saturn and Jupiter and Aquarius really pushing him out to the front. Yeah, we love to see it. All right, everybody, we made it. We made it through all the Venus signs to the very last one, last but most certainly not least, is Venus in Pisces. And Venus in Pisces is a very special Venus sign because it's where Venus is exalted. So what that means is Venus is not only at home in the sign, she's enhanced and is more able to do Venusian things like be beautiful and charming and alluring and seductive, right? Um, Venus in Pisces is co-ruled by the traditional ruler Jupiter, making it share some DNA with Venus and Sagittarius, and the modern ruler Neptune, which is the planet of art and glamour and romance and, you know, all things that Venus takes to uh, like a duck to water. There's your uh, water metaphor, right? When we think about archetypes of Venus and Pisces, on the femme side, the first thing that comes to mind is an archetype that's been highly and I think rightly criticized recently, but that I don't have any better word for, which is the manic pixie dream girl. Um, 
in films, this is a girl who often serves as a uh, vessel for some man's like romantic fantasy or personal development. And she's portrayed as being like highly innocent or like very dreamy, carefree. And it's this sort of mystical conduit to greater happiness for this person. Um, but I do think that that sort of charm and um, not innocent, but just pure loving personal interaction is is totally part of the Venus and Pisces thing. And maybe this archetype spe- speaks to when you have an enhanced Venus like this, the need for stronger personal boundaries because people are going to be drawn to you and you don't have to invite everybody into your sphere. You know, everyone's going to want to be around you. You know, Venus is irresistible, but becoming selective about who you allow to be around you and um, how they get to partake in your beauty is really important. Um, So the Manic Pixie Dream Girls... Uh, with Venus and Pisces include Claire Danes. I think of her in Romeo and Juliet with the angel wings and surrounded in the chapel by candles and uh, the cardigans are playing. That's super Venus and Pisces. Um, Drew Barrymore has this and I can't even begin to list all of the times that she's taken on this role. Um, Zoe Deschanel is another ultimate manic pixie dream girl, especially in 500 Days of Summer. Um, and maybe bangs are a manic pixie dream girl, Venus and Pisces thing. Do not go out and get ill-advised bangs because you listen to this and I said it. You have to take your face shape into consideration, but, um, Kirsten Dunst also has this and, um, she's in so many movies that are just so pretty, right? Like I'm thinking, uh. Everything Sofia Coppola touches is so pretty, especially uh, Marie Antoinette. Um, Emma Watson also has Venus in Pisces. And, um, you know, she there's two aspects of that that I think are really important. First, obviously, she's synonymous with Harry Potter and and the sort of fantasy world. But she also in recent years has expanded that beauty and love towards the rest of the world working with the UN she's very serious about vegan and organic beauty um and clean beauty so someone to consider with that too I think a lot of people who have this do um put emphasis there Laura Dern has Venus and Pisces and she's so gorgeous um and seemingly ageless and i was reading her into the gloss top shelf when she was talking about um and she's been on several things where she talks about how clean beauty is super important to her um i feel like big little lies on hbo laura dern and reese witherspoon both have venus and pisces and they're very um yeah there is this like heightened femness to the whole thing right and then also big little lies i mean neptune uh can be illusion right so beauty as illusion and the ability to shape shift is another powerful uh superpower that the venus and pisces person has um there's also people like michelle pfeiffer that have this um l fanning i'm thinking of l fanning especially in the greats i don't know if you watched that during quarantine when she plays uh catherine the great 
um yeah there's a lot of like I don't know, I'm thinking like big skirts, very um, traditionally romantic looks um, tend to go along with this. So there's also with this a another kind of dream girl that shows up, which is sort of like the fantasy fantasy person or person who delves a lot into their own romantic and sexual fantasies. So Betty Page, obviously, um, cultivating that. Um, sort of proto-kink um, fantasy look. Um, and Nayasinen, who wrote, you know, volumes of erotica and erotic diaries, has Venus and Pisces. Um, and then in more modern examples, FKA Twigs also has this, and I, I'm thinking of her in, in Magdalene, and then some of her more recent dances are just so... They're able to skirt this line between extremely sensual while also being um, lofty and magical, right? Um, Selena also has Venus and Pisces. And another uh, example that I love is Rachel Weisz. She has the sun and moon in Pisces too. And I think of her in um, The Mummy, right? That sort of like... Uh, movie heroine thing going on is super Venus and Pisces. So on the gentleman's side, there is an episode of this podcast about Venus and Pisces, and you should listen to it. You should go back into the archives and check it out. Some of these were discussed on that podcast. Um, they are the like fan fiction uh, dudes, the, the fantasy loves, right? So Orlando Bloom, who is in... Legolas and Lord of the Rings and uh, in Pirates of the Caribbean, Alan Rickman as Snape and, of course, Hans Gruber in Die Hard, uh, Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi, very excited for the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, and uh, Moulin Rouge, which was super influential for so many of us uh, that came up in the early aughts, um, which was like a very, it was a modern retelling of uh, La Boheme, I believe, by Baz Luhrmann. You know what it is? Venus and Pisces is like a Baz Luhrmann movie where everything is like beautiful twinkly lights and costumes and butterflies and romance and love, you know, that kind of thing going on. Um, also, James McAvoy in Atonement has Venus and Pisces and that um, hyper-romantic green silk dress library scene again fits the mold for this um a couple of others this is kind of interesting there is a 1970s over the top flare i think this is where the jupiter influence comes in to venus and pisces um for the masculine folks there's john travolta i'm thinking of like saturday night fever um rick james of all people of course i'm thinking of like his orange aura or what have you um just like huge boots and all that um and then of course the pink floyd sad boy in 1970s model blueprint david gilmore um has venus and pisces as well um finally and i think this is a good place to start to wrap up venus and pisces can be People who transcend the idea of style and beauty towards loving the whole world, right? So think about examples like Steve Irwin, 
and his love of animals and the ecosystems of his home, right? Michelle Obama, who has done so much um, activist work and, and as the first lady became this kind of like, I don't know, mom figure to everyone in America. Um, Elizabeth II, the queen mother, has Venus in Pisces. And um, I know that's a hot topic right now, but it is interesting to reflect on. Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg had Venus in Pisces and did so much to make care um, and expressions of care available for women. Um, Mr. Rogers had this and, you know, his kindness is incredibly well documented and is inspiring. So, yeah, I do think that that Venus and Pisces in its exalted form, yes, it can be this fantasy, but it can be showing love in these uh, incredibly real ways. Um, when we look at designers that have this, there is Victoria Beckham, Posh Spice, of course, who ended up having her own line. And she really is a style chameleon. There is this chameleon-like or metamorph quality to all things Pisces and that Venus and Pisces people have access to. And finally, Christian Dior, um, which does have a sort of like very carefree, dreamy, um, look, especially among the the femme side for sure, and has been really friendly to magical symbolism like the tarot, especially recently. Um, and a quote from Christian Dior that I think sums up Venus and Pisces is happiness is the secret to all beauty. There is no beauty without happiness. Um, and it shows that it does it, it transcends the material to to joy in the heart. Okay, that's it. This is the longest episode of Bad Astrologers of all time. I'm certain of it. I hope that you've had fun during this uh, romp through all the Venus signs and the stars that possess them. Um, but some final considerations that I really want you to, to muse on and take with you as you move forward from this is back to the conversation about essential dignity. So why does Venus in its domicile, so Venus in, in its home sign of Taurus and Libra, have fewer examples, fewer icons there than Venus in its detriment and fall? That doesn't seem to make sense. So here's how I understand it. Venus in its detriment and fall speaks louder because it has to. People with those placements can use beauty as a way to heal their relationship to the Venusian energy that is challenging for them. Whereas Venus in its home sign doesn't have to work as hard and gets more out of simply existing and enjoying Venusian vibes in real life. Okay, that's it. That's everything. I hope that you enjoyed this uh, glamorous, romantic, beautiful exploration of the stars. And I hope that it inspires you to just... Uh, adorn yourself and have an absolutely wonderful time during this hot post-quarantine summer. If you like this episode, let me know and I can do more deep dives like this. And if you have a topic you'd like to hear covered on the show, let me know and I would love to do that too. You can reach me at ameliaquint.com or on social media at Bad Astrologers or at ameliaquint.com on Twitter, at AmeliaQuint underscore on Instagram. And I really, I love, love, love hearing from you. So don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so grateful for you. And have a wonderful Mercury retrograde.